Hello, and welcome to the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast, a show for people who want to take their personal training businesses and fitness coaching skills to the next level. Team Alloy has been in the personal training business since 1992 and share their insights from working with businesses and brands around the world. Listen in for secrets and tips on running a successful fitness business from personal training, marketing, staff management, scaling your business, and everything in between. If you are interested in having your own personal training business, our systems are well-developed, and we are focusing on very discrete segments which we think are the secrets to success. Now, let's get started with our host. Happy New Year, Rick. Happy New Year, Matt. Are you ready for 2020? I'm really ready. Really ready. How about you? I am really ready. I'm very excited. Yeah. Did you realize that we're halfway to our goal for franchising? Yeah, I heard. Yeah, pretty cool, huh? It's pretty cool. Yeah. I'll be pretty pumped. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited. So obviously, we're learning an entirely new business structure with franchising, but Mm -hmm. I love that. I don't know about you, but like learning for me is what keeps me going. So the fact that we're back to square one as far as um, processes and all the legalities of it and all the things that we're learning, it's like super exciting. I love it. Hell yeah, man. Ready for the next step. Get these bad boys open. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, you ready to dig in today? I am. All right, cool. I got an awesome topic, um, something that we um, definitely hold uh, a lot of value here, and that is our core values. So I figured you could kind of tell everybody what core values are and what they mean to you and our corporation, and then we'll go through ours one through five. Yeah. I think core values are something that you see thrown around a lot. You know, you read about them in business articles and people talk a lot, give a lot of time to core values, but I'm not really sure that if everyone understands why you do core values, right? So I can at least speak to why we do it and the lens that we look through. So I look at core values as sort of a compass or a guiding, maybe even a decision lens for our team. So if you have a certain set of core values, it should allow your team then absent of direct leadership to make a decision through the lens of your core values, right? So as we go through ours today, we'll talk about why we came up with those, what they mean to us. And then anyone listening, I just want you to think, what would that mean in your organization, right? How could that apply? And I'll even use some parallel, you know, ours are similar to others that you might hear, and we'll tell you why we chose ours, but also there are other companies that have similar core values and maybe what those mean Mm -hmm. overall. What I will say is that you need core values. It's very important. And your team needs to be able to keep them top of mind. We know we have ours pasted up in the trainer office. We talk about them a lot and I take them seriously. So we talked about last time setting up our interview questions around Mm -hmm. our core values. So once put a lot of time into it, once you have your set core values, there's a lot of ways that those can manifest themselves in your business. So it's, I'm a fan. I think you should do it. It's really important and we'll dig into ours and, and why we do it. Well, before we get into lists, like how did you come up with these? Was this through a trial through air? You, I mean, I, I know that the well, list has changed a couple of times. It has, it has. Well, our business has evolved. We've been in business 28 years now. So core values early on were much different mm-hmm. than they are now because now we had to come up with a set of core values that would work locally meaning in our gym, as well as globally. So we actually have the same core values for our entire organization, whether it be in our brick and mortars or in our licensing and now franchise, same core values. So they did evolve over time. And surprisingly, we had many more core values when we started than we do now. Back to what I said before, coming up with core values that are easy, top of mind, almost branded 
And that's important, right? When you come up with these core values, you almost need to brand the idea so that you can sell it to your right. team, right? right? And so that in a branded core value with the reasons behind it is much stickier than some long-winded core value, like, you know, great customer service, you know, well, what does that mean? Like, come up <laughs> with something. Says that. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's just an empty claim. And so come up with something that's specific to you and your culture, but also something that you know has some ability to grow as your organization grows and changes. And ours have actually been simplified and we have a, a half a list, you know, we only have five now where in the past we had up to sure. 10 or 12, 10 or 12 is too hard to remember, right? Five is much easier. And it was difficult for us to condense those down, but, um, yeah, it's just evolved over time. And as we've understood more, as we, you grow, your core values are even more important because you're not all together all the time. Your team gets larger, there's lots of moving parts and your core values need to be even simpler at that point. And as you know, that takes a lot of effort to simplify something. Oh yeah. As a matter of fact, thinking about simplifying your core values, a couple of years ago at Ursa, we had a really dynamic speaker. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but she was a, a really dynamic lady from a consulting firm in Manhattan. And she does a lot of work with cutting edge firms such as Apple and some others. And she even mentioned that a lot of organizations now are employing, you know, basically employing a chief simplification officer. So a CSO, that's how important it is to not let things get so haywire because with technology and all the bolt-ons and all the moving parts, you really just need to be able to hack things down. Yeah, right. Cool. And yeah. again, we're using this as a decision-making tree. You can't cover every single function in your business. But that's why it takes some thought to sit back and say, okay, how does this manifest itself? How would this core value manifest itself in our industry, right? Okay. Or in, in my yeah. business, if that makes sense. Sure. Does that help? Yeah. You ready to dig into them? Yeah, man. Let's do All it. right. Number one of our core values is own it. Own it would mean that everybody owns their position. I've also heard this core value described by other folks in our industry that I respect as, you know, be your own boss, Right. And that's really the way that we think of it. So own it means when you're given a position that you fully own it. Now, what does that really mean? That means that you're accountable for that, right? Whatever that position is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in this day and age, it's easy to think, well, you know, I'm not a leader, so I just kind of wait for a directive. It's like, well, wait a minute, like you're supposed to own your position, right? Whatever that means. And yeah, you need good leadership, but you don't really right? There was a great book written by a guy named Clay Scroggins. It, it's basically, you know, how to lead when you're not in charge. That's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Everybody on the team can be a leader. You can be a leader if you work part-time at the desk. You can, if you own it, right? right? What does that mean? Well, there's all kinds of other cliche things that might go hand in hand with this. Well, if it is to be, you know, it's up to me, that type of idea. So what does that mean? Well, if you're a coach, owning it means, yes, you're showing up on time, you're doing great work. And it even means more than that. Like it's your environment that you're in. If you walk into the locker room or the restroom, as an example, and there's a piece of paper towel on the floor, are you going to step over it? Or are you going to pick it up? Right. What would own it do? Right. Pick it up. Be that boss. Take care of everything. You don't need somebody looking over your shoulder to make sure you do it. Right. Exactly. So it's something you can kind of see during the interview process, right? Through the yeah, we talked about that data. during the yep. interview process is asking someone you know, if they've ever had a challenge at work and how it went down. And I think your response to me was like, Hey, it's probably not a good thing if they're, you know, bad mouthing their previous mm -hmm. manager or coworkers or things like that. That's not owning it. 
right? right? Owning it is controlling what you can control and letting go of the things that you can't control, but not controlling the things that you can do, like owning your role within the company and understanding how that works. Yep. That's something you can control on a daily basis. So that's something that we want to see in our organization. If you're given a task or a role, if you need more help, part of owning it also would mean reaching out and saying, listen, I don't have enough information to do these you know, tasks that you've been giving me or this assignment or this goal. Right. So can you help me, you know, by giving me more information that's owning it, just going away and not getting it done. And then later complaining that you didn't have the information, right? right? That's not owning it. Own the role that you're given. And that means you take full responsibility for it in all aspects of that. That's huge. I mean, personal training world, you're on your own with your clients, I mean, the majority of the time, there's not going to be you, the boss or the director is not going to be standing next to you. So right. and it shouldn't have to be. Right. So when you look at own it in our organization, let's just say it's in our brick and mortar, what you mentioned through the lens of a coach. Well, we have our seven core tenets of a great customer experience and they revolve around the session itself because mm-hmm. that is our business. We do personal training. Yep. Owning it for a coach means running that play, understanding why those moving parts are important and running that play consistently every single time. You know, I think I posted something yesterday. I think this is true is someone's success in whatever role that they're in is in direct connection to them showing up and doing, for lack of better terms, the boring, monotonous work day in and day out and doing it well. Mm -hmm. That's owning it. So through the lens of, like you said, a coach on the floor, that's getting there on time, right? right? It's doing all the pre-shift things that they need to do to be prepared. It's running the play correctly during the training sessions. It's wrapping up correctly at the end, texting anyone that didn't show up, all the mechanisms that they're given. Right. And that's a very clear directive. Own it would also extend beyond that, right? Having those little side conversations on the floor, showing empathy, body language, picking up that paper towel sliver in the locker room, all those things play into owning your role, own it. Which is very infectious, by the way. I mean, that from one coach to another coach to your client. So pretty huge. Absolutely. Yep. All of these are. And so we look at this overall. So I need to own my role. Ultimately, like it or not, I'm in more of a leadership role. You need to get better. (laughs) I do. Every day. I mean, there's absolutely zero doubt. So there's days when I look back when I just trained clients, you know, 20 years ago. And it's like, man, that was the easy days. Well, guess what? I'm not in that role anymore, you know? So that's a fleeting thought and I'm excited about the new challenge, but I need to own my new challenge, which means I have to upskill myself to sit in this CEO role, right? That's me owning it. Sure. And cool. that's different for every role, but it doesn't matter. Ultimately, the message is own your role, be your own boss, you know, do your thing. I mean, you, you got to do it. Yeah. All right. Number two, bring your A game every day. This is as it relates to just another way to term this would be leaving it at the door. So if you're having a bad day, if you're having personal challenges, Mm -hmm. if you're having issues, that means you cannot bring those things into the gym and or into the office, right? Mm -hmm. Certainly into the gym setting where you have customer facing, you know, team members that are right in front of your customers that day. Because everyone has a challenge. Everyone has a story. Everyone's going through something at any given time, right? And sometimes, you know, through our lens, it might not be as serious as what we have or what it doesn't matter. Everyone has something, right? Mm-hmm. But when I say it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, you saw the, my favorite t-shirt. I, I wore <laughs> it today and posted something on it. And it says, like, nobody cares. <laughs> Work harder. 
which seems really unfeeling. We kind of say that tongue in cheek, but also maybe not. I mean, ultimately people do care and we care about our team members, you know, here, right. each other. But ultimately you have to put that stuff aside and get out on the floor and get in front of customers and do your job and bring sure. your A game. Absolutely. Also the same thing. Think about the dynamic of our franchise company where we're not necessarily always meeting with customers, but we're meeting with each other. What if someone brings their personal stuff into the gym to a team meeting? What's that going to do to the overall chemistry? It's bringing it down. It's going to bring everyone down. So if you have you know any kind of personal hangups, not just necessarily like crisis going on in your life, those things you might want to air out a bit so people know where you're coming from, right? And that can be relieving in some ways. But you just can't come in with sort of this belief system, right? Negative belief system, mm -hmm. if you will. So breaking your own beliefs is part of that as well. Like bring your A game is like show up with the best that you have every single day. You should be able to do this. And this is what I challenge myself to do is when I'm finished with work, which doesn't happen very often because I'm kind of working around the clock these days. But, you know, say when you're putting your head on your pillow, you know, just self-check yourself. Did you do your absolute best today? And if you say yes, even if it was a shit day, you can still feel okay about that day if you felt like you did your best. But there's days when you even have maybe a pretty good day, right? You were very productive, so to speak. But if you really aren't able to say that you brought your A game, your absolute best to that day, you could be better. And I think in an organization where, you know, for us, another way I've heard this described is like grow or die, right? Like you don't ever sit still. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. There's no neutral in any business or in life, I would argue. Mm-hmm. So bringing your A game every day is that constant seeking of you know, growth, learning, improving every single day sure. in some aspect, whether it be personally or, and obviously your personal stuff directly affects your business. Yeah. I mean, well. some days let's get it. I remember it's going to have a bad day on those days you come in. So you got to fake it till you make it right. But yeah. Great point. Especially when you're coaching. I know that when I was on the floor working with clients, so we're talking about the lens of personal training. Some days I would have a lot of things going on. And if I could just put those things aside and fake it and be really nice, it's funny how that could work yourself in a self-serving way. You could work yourself out of a bad mood by mm -hmm. simply acting nice and upbeat and happy. It's sort of like the science that shows that really good body language can actually make your brain chemistry change more positively, right? Those type of things. So it's the same kind of thing here. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that those things aren't real that are going on in your life. And I'm sure some of them are, are way more serious than, than others. At the same time, for the stuff that we go through mostly on a daily basis, it has to be left at the door. And you have to bring your A game every single day. And that's the expectation. So if you show up and you're not on your A game, if you're in the right culture and you're on the right team, you know, you should obviously try to hold each other accountable and be like, man, what's sure. your deal? Like well, you're not on it. Well, that pick each other up. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. And we used to, you know, we've had trainers in the past that were amazing when they were on, you know, almost uh, sort of bipolar and then so bad when they were off, but they were so good when they were on that we would tell them, if you're having a bad day, get your shift covered because you can't come in like that. <laughs> Right. Like Debbie Downer from like Saturday Night Live. Yeah. <laughs> that type of thing. So if you can't be on your A game, don't come in. Right. Like find a sub, but don't come in with your B game or your head up your ass. That's not going to work. Right. right. Like we just don't tolerate that. And you just stick out like a sore thumb if you're on a team of Eagles that's all pushing forward and they're bringing their A game and you're showing up consistently without yours. If people right. care about you, they'll ask you why. And that's probably the right way to do it. Like, hey, what's bugging you today? You're not on your game. But if you're that person, you should hear that. It's like, oof, I need to bring my A-game. I'm not doing sure. that. So that's core value number two. That's how important it is for us. All right. Number three, this is um, 
probably my favorite one. Humor with a touch of crazy. Yeah, at the end of the day, this was very important to us. It's important to me personally. It's just fitness. And if you don't enjoy the work or the process, then you're not going to enjoy what you do. Like there's no end game, right? Mm-hmm. I've heard, uh, I think Simon Sinek is the guy that talked about this and he talks about infinite games, right? So finite versus infinite used all kinds of neat examples. Um, some of those were, you know, I think he had, this was a while back, but he, in a talk, he had mentioned that he had gone to a Microsoft convention and they were talking about how their new tablet was going to beat the iPad and how this new laptop was going to beat this. And I think at the time iPods were still in. So this music player was going to beat this iPod. And then not too long after that, he went to the Apple conference and they were talking about how the iPad was going to help teachers in an educational setting and how their laptop was going to help this other interface, right? For business and how, you know, the iPod was going to make functions in people's lives easier. So if you look at that, really, it's like Microsoft at that time anyway, was playing a finite game, which means they were trying to compete with a, another entity. Mm -hmm. And that was their sole purpose is what it would seem like. Right. Whereas Apple was simply trying to play the infinite game, which is they're constantly trying to improve the lives of others through their technology. And so if you look at things that way, like sense of humor is really important because you're playing an infinite game. Like, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to be the biggest fitness franchise in the world? Sure. But I mean, what does that even mean? You know, maybe that's 10,000 locations. Maybe it's 2000. Like it's hard to play that game. But if you go into it saying, okay, we enjoy the process, we're building something that will help people in their businesses make more money. And by the way, it's also going to help the people in their gym get in the best shape of their lives. That's the main focus of what we do. We're going to grow. And there are finite scorekeeping games within the infinite game, mm-hmm. like KPIs. I and mean, you got to pay your bills. You got to pay your people. Right. You got to turn a profit. That's kind of an obvious thing. But I think ultimately, if your organization isn't set up to enjoy the process, you're going to fail right. because you're trying to play a finite game. And if you're a publicly traded company, you're trying to pander to shareholders, right? So you're going to cut all your payroll, you know, so you can show up a, a profit in quarter three and appease your shareholders. It's like, what are we doing? Like, that's not what the company's trying to do overall. And you're in a game like the game should just be to stay in business and keep moving forward. So I like that idea. And through that lens, it's like, well, then we better enjoy what we're doing because it's infinite. It never goes away. Right. We're always improving, mm-hmm. always getting better. Part of that is to have fun. Right. Like, why do this if we don't enjoy it? And part of having fun is humor with a little crazy. And I think we do a good job of that. You know, I mean, shoot in our new place here, we've got, we've got alcohol in the fridge, which might not align with personal training, but Hey, you know, <laughs> it's all balance. We've got a ping pong table here. It's like, you know, people bring their dogs when the, you know, the gym's connected, obviously to the, to the mothership office here. So people bring their dogs in and hang out. And I don't know, it's just a, the type of place that I would want to go to work and have a good time because this thing ain't getting any easier. It's only going to get bigger. It's only going to be harder you know, it's going to be a tougher mountain to climb as we grow over time. So we might as well enjoy the process. Cause by the way, the work is the process, the real special stuff, the special sauce in what we're doing is the work, right? Not the end game. Mm-hmm. Right. So does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, not to get too existential, but, and part of that is to have a good time. And so, right. you know, we talked about this through the lens of how to interview trainers And we would ask them, you know, tell me your favorite joke. And we just want to make sure people can roll with the punches. Because if you're going to have this type of culture, you might have one or two curmudgeons that work in accounting. And that's okay because as long as they can, you know, not take themselves too seriously, that would be fine. Right. But overall, you want to have a fun culture. Yeah. You really do. You see all these core values go right into your culture. 
maximize on that's it that's the so. lens i mean is this going to be okay so am i owning my role great every day that i show up am i bringing my best mm-hmm. is our team bringing our best meaning am i also growing or dying am i moving forward right and then okay am i having a sense of humor about right. this like do i take myself too seriously because at the end of the day like we're all human and weird things are going to happen especially when we're dealing with the general public Sorry, yeah. in, in a fitness setting it's like you better have a good sense of humor well, I mean, what fitness? Let me go back to that. I mean, the never-ending quest for fitness, basically. Better have some fun along the way. You know, well, we're yeah. going to make it. <laughs> well, and what does fitness look like? We've said this before. Like, if our main job in the gym was the best shape of your life, you can walk out onto the floor, and there's probably a very small percentage of people that on this day are in the best shape of their lives. Sure. Now, they're better than they were if they weren't working out. But as you know, fitness is an up-and-down journey over time. And so our goal is just to try to keep people in the game as well, right? The right. infinite game of fitness what is it it's like i don't know whatever it needs to be for you but it doesn't end it's just always moving forward and so if you can't have fun doing it you know you're not going to do very well and as a side note you're not going to do very well in your business if you're the trainer that doesn't have a sense of humor talked about that as well you know there are trainers and sort of gyms that can get you in great shape but boy it's boring right and they're not going to have a good business even if the science is solid right you and i talked about Mm -hmm. in in a previous podcast trainers that work at gyms that if a good coach watched their form and what they do from programming standpoint it's terrible yeah but their schedule's packed you know why because people feel good when they're around them Mm -hmm. you know and i guarantee you that has something to do with the fact that they can make them smile and laugh right how can you have fun otherwise well you already said makes them feel better you more positive uplifting right feel i already feel better shape Yep, exactly (laughs) so you know this is big for me because i'm always goofing around but it's like i'm just trying to have a good time it's like Work is work, you know, it's fun, enjoy it. It's never ending again. You're in this infinite game, so you might as well enjoy the process. Cool. All right, number four, drive change. This is really important. You know, this could actually be number one because you've heard some cliche sayings like the only constant is change. I believe that. I really do. We've seen that, right? So people don't like change in general. Mm -hmm. They just don't. So being tolerant of change is one thing. That's hard enough. But to drive change, in my mind, means to look for it. Not to just accept it, but to actually look for it. And it takes a certain type of individual to be able to look to drive change. Not for the sake of you know, boredom, but for the sake of moving things forward. Mm-hmm. Right? And so we've talked about this before. An example of driving change we'll use this in our organization would be looking for little opportunities to improve. Right. And sometimes those things mean changing a great example of that would be when we changed our format here at the gym. So when we changed to franchising, for those of you guys that don't know, we shrank our gym from 8,000 feet down to workable 2,500 feet. And it's like, wow, why would you do that? Cause we got a killer business right at 8,000 feet. It's like, well, Because to drive change, we need to sit on the exact model. Even though that line item of revenue was 90% of our Mm -hmm. overall revenue anyway, Mm -hmm. to dedicate your business to just that vertical of small group personal training and drop team and drop do it on your own and drop a little bit of the one-on-one, the other extreme, you know, the things that we were doing around that was really difficult because you're going to upset some people in the process, right? So I think you remember we showed a video to our team, right? And Mm -hmm. understanding, and this is important for you guys to know, Understanding the way change works can be really helpful for everyone on your team. So this is the way it was explained to me. And if you guys want to Google this, the guy's name is Rick Warren. I think he's a minister in some super church out on the West Coast. Just uh, Google Rick Warren, 
you know, stages of change and let's see if you can't find this video. But essentially what he says in the video is like, you can't have change without loss and you can't have loss without grief. Right. And grief has a certain time period to it. You know, and so what happens is if you change something in your company, you have to lose something to move to something new. Mm -hmm. And in losing that thing, you have to understand that not everyone is going to love it. Most people actually aren't going to like it, especially the customers, right? Mm -hmm. And then in that process, you're going to have to allow them to grieve the loss of whatever changed, right? So that is change. Change is loss. Loss has grief. And grief has manifests itself in a lot of ways. When we changed our business model here, People were grieving the fact that, you know, maybe we changed the floor plan or maybe we got rid of some of the treadmills or some of the things that just aren't part of our system anymore that were yep. part before. And the way that that grieving manifests itself in a lot of ways is complaining. And so you have to arm your team who's like, yeah, man, we'll drive some change all over it. But then they have to get out there on the front lines and hear it all day long from customers. You're not going to hear it. Like you hear a few positive comments, but you're mostly going to hear complaints. Right. And it can be mistaken as we're making the wrong decision or the company's going in the wrong direction. And that's not true at all. You just have to allow people to go through the loss of whatever they're losing in the change. Even mm -hmm. if the upside is better, it doesn't matter. They don't like it, right? So you have to allow them to grieve it. And if your staff understands that, then they can maybe filter those complaints as part of the grieving process, not necessarily everything that's said, right. right, is exactly how it's meant, if that makes sense. Right? That's very important. I mean, going through it, I mean, you got to make sure your coaches aren't panicking. You know, when you want to make change, you know it's going to be better and you don't want to totally do a reversal and not change. I'm sure, you know, that happens. Yeah, well, exactly. So, you know, what, what are your choices? And the only constant is change. You have to change and you have to have a culture of people that not that change is going to be easy. No one likes it, you and I included, but you can't just be tolerant of it. You actually have to look for it because the way that business moves these days, it's really fast. Technology is a huge disruptor for everyone mm -hmm. and you need to stay on top of it. And the only way to stay on top of it is not just to look for change, but literally to be driving it. And when we say that we mean through the lens of improving our business, right? Not just for the sake of boredom. Again, right. something that would tangibly move the business forward not just being accepting of it, but everybody on the team's looking for ways to improve. That's what drive change means. But it's not easy, but it is super important. Cool. All right. Last one. Kind of talked about this a little already. Keep it simple. Yep. And we talked about it. You know, a lot of companies now employing chief simplification officers. So when we look at this lens, imagine at the highest level, it's like, oh, this would be cool if we could bolt on this marketing app, you know, that could allow us to do these text features and da 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 da. Great. But <laughs> through our core values, is it keeping it simple? Right. right. If it adds two or three steps for some trick automation that we think is cool, but it turns out that the manifestation of it, the boots on the ground is actually extra work. That's not keeping it simple. Same thing in the message, you know, this could apply to the core values, brand them, right? Mm -hmm. Brand own it, have everyone understand what that means. That's keeping it simple, right? Taking our core values from 12 to five, that's keeping it simple. I will say that's very difficult. So keeping it simple and paring things down is one of the hardest things to do. Absolutely. But we constantly ask ourselves that with every decision that we make, especially when it moves a lot of, involves a lot of moving parts or a lot of people, is this making things simpler or is it only making things more complicated, right? And sometimes simpler isn't better, but nine times out of 10, 
simplification of a message or a process is only going to result in more productivity, more buy-in, right? Well, sure. And ultimately I mean, moving things forward. We talk about a lot of stuff, systems, you know, you need to start developing these things. So, I mean, people that are doing that, I mean, keep it simple might be number one, just for the fact if only you and another person can do what you're trying to do system-wise, it's never going to work. Yeah. I mean, you look at, say, the military where, you know, it's sort of a, a joke, but you teach the guy above you and below you. you know, they, everybody knows everyone's role because, I mean, we're in a, you know, in an environment where, you know, the workforce might have up to eight jobs in the first 10 years. So if things aren't simple and your processes aren't simple, then good luck getting a new person up to speed right? mm -hmm. and, and slotting them into, onto your team and having them do a certain role. So there's a lot of ways that can manifest itself. And some of them start right here with simplifying your core values. So for, for sure. us, it's a big one. We, we ask it all the time. We just had a discussion yeah. before we started the podcast about some software challenges that we were having. And it's like, all right, our goal is just to keep it simple, right? It's like, yep. Okay, good. Well, that helps us make our decisions. Right. And I think the same thing for the coaches is like, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about this, or what if we added this nutrition component or, you know, I'm thinking about training some athletes in the summer. I'm like, all right, well, what's the upside? And is that going to make things more complicated than they are now? And if so, like how much more complicated? So are we keeping it simple? If the answer is yes, and it's beneficial to the team and the business, sure. If not, then no. So it, these are just basically like a decision-making tree for everything that we do that you can give to your employees and say, does it tick all these boxes? And if it doesn't, there better be a massive upside as to why we would break that mm -hmm. core value, right? Cool. So yeah, that's it. That's our five. And um, I would highly recommend that people go through the process, take some time, go to a coffee shop, spend a few hours just thinking about the things that are important in your business. Use versions of ours if you want, right? Yeah, so you know, we did the same thing. So we've kind of you know basically shrunk ours down to these five, but I gave you some other parallels that I've seen in our industry that kind of mean the same thing, right? right. So yeah, highly important, knock them out and uh, coach them to your team and yet let them use them as a lens for decision-making in your business so that you don't have to be on top of them all the time. Awesome. Thank you. All right, buddy. Thanks. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast. If you have any questions for the host or are interested in learning more about running a successful personal training business of your own, please reach out and say hello. Connect with us at www.alloypersonaltraining.com and sign up for our free newsletter to receive additional resources.